This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Kicked Back, a home for football fans that want to stay up to date on everything going on in the football world. Join Caroline, Liam, and some special guests along the way as they talk about all the trending news around leagues, players, teams, and much more. Now, all you got to do is get comfortable and kick back, because we're about to get started. Okay, Gene Principe on this episode of Kicked Back, and Gene, everyone across the country knows you as a big hockey fan, the hockey guy, Edmontonians across the city. We, we appreciate and we adore you so much, but we're here today talking about Calcio, as you call it. Yes. Yeah, no, this is great. This is a real uh, privilege and a pleasure. Um, because of what I uh, do, I, I end up being, a, you, you hit it right on the head, the, the hockey guy, the guy from the Oilers, the, the Sportsnet guy. Um, but, you know, sort of deep down, I, I feel like I'm the cultural guy, the, the guy who grew up loving soccer. I also loved hockey, uh, but I, I think I, I never dreamed of playing in the NHL. I, I just, it wasn't something I, I, I guess I thought I could do. Uh, but I did dream of one day being a uh, pro soccer player wow. not something I accomplished but uh, as kids we have dreams and you know that was mine when I was uh, starting in soccer and just uh, with the heritage of being Italian I do have my Italian <laughs> yeah. jersey on I had to wear it um, so yeah for me this is this is a real true love uh, when it comes to a sport I love to hear that I need to know because I think some Edmontonian and Oilers fans, obviously the Oilers fans love you the most. They, they know that you have some soccer background. I had no idea. So I need to know what age were you when you first fell in love with the game? Was there a core memory that you have that you were like, wow, this is my number one sport and I'd love to be a pro pro soccer player one day. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a bunch of different memories. When I was growing up, um, we didn't, we didn't sort of have the, you know, kids nowadays will start playing at four and five and six we don't have that or we didn't have that. I certainly wasn't aware of it at that age. It was more you would start to play when you were kind of around nine or 10, organized anyways. Uh, of course, at the schoolyard you would play, but I came to playing organized soccer. That was kind of about the age. And, and for me, I grew up playing mostly midfield. And I remember we, we won the city championship, yes, to midfielders, right? Back and forth we go. And, uh, we won the city championship when we were like U12 and then a core of us, uh, again, sort of dating myself, we're talking late 70s, early 80s, uh, club soccer was starting to become mm -hmm. something bigger in Edmonton. And uh, because we had won city championship, I, I think that uh, some people thought, well, I wonder if they have some, some good players on their team. And so about four or five of us went from playing uh, 
community soccer to playing club soccer uh, for the strikers, which won't resonate with many people until I tell them that Alfonso Davies played for the strikers uh, when he uh, was in Edmonton. Now we were decades uh, apart, but that was kind of how um, I, I, I kind of got going. Uh, back then, we were very limited regarding watching the game on TV other than you know, seeing some Canada games and seeing a little bit of the North American Soccer League, but really was more about playing than watching, which now you can do a lot of both. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool that you mentioned kind of the progression of the sport in Canada, because even when I was growing up, it started to get a little bit more popular. But now I think we're seeing it in the best place we've ever seen it. The women winning gold at the Olympics, they've qualified for the next World Cup. The men's qualifying to the World Cup for the first time in 36 years. Uh, I just think that province-wide and, of course, nationwide, it's such a big accomplishment for the sport on both sides for men and women. And I don't think we've – I personally, when I was younger, it wasn't like that. When I was on the national team and we qualified for the World Cup, we actually had to fundraise money to get to the World Cup. We, we qualified, we did all the hard work, but we're like, oh my gosh, we don't have funding to get there. So we had to put on all these fundraisers to get there. And now I'm, I sit back and it makes me so happy because I actually think in the next five, ten years – uh, the youth growing up and, and the younger generation, they're going to just have so many more resources and hopefully MLS keeps growing and just opportunities here in North America, which is so exciting. It's a wonderful perspective uh, because you're, you're not old, far from it. And for you to give <laughs> us the idea that you had to fundraise to get yourself uh, to a huge event like the World Cup just explains how far things have come in really a short time. Yep. Uh, I remember watching the 86 World Cup and watching Canada, I remember back then, the games would be tape delayed and you would watch them at just before midnight. Uh, the CBC News would be on at 11.30 and then just before the top of the clock at midnight, on would come this delayed game that we would get a chance to watch. It wasn't just Canada, they would pick the Argentinian games, the Italian games, yeah. England, whatever was sort of the match of the day. And, and that's kind of all you, that's all you had access to. And now to think of everything we can see everything that uh, the men have done, which has been great. I, I yeah. think that um, it's been wonderful. Like Christine Sinclair, and I remember 2001, when they played their U-17 championship here, made it to the final against the Americans. There were like 50, 60,000 people mm -hmm. watching teenagers uh, play soccer in Canada. I'm thinking, whoever thought that this could happen? Now, it didn't steamroll right into success from there, both kind of on and off the pitch. Uh, it took time to grow. And so now you see the men catching up uh, with Alfonso Davies and, you know, Jonathan David and, and uh, Jonathan Osorio and just all the great players that have come along. And, and, and really, it's nice that they're starting to get attention, uh, that they're starting to get uh, Canadians behind them and understanding that, of course, we're a hockey country because of because of weather, because of history. But um, even when it's snowing and it's cold, you can have a soccer match like Commonwealth Stadium back in November, and you can get almost 100,000 people to watch two of those matches. It, it, it really is a glorious time. And I have to say, I, I'm, I'm not a senior citizen yet, close, uh, but I'm not sure I thought I would see that uh, during my lifetime or this early in my lifetime. So it's wonderful that the men and women are kind of in unison and working uh, together against the rest of the world. You're spot on, Gene. You know, it was funny when, when I went to, because I went to that game uh, here at Commonwealth Canada versus Mexico, and I left that game. I think I even put it on social media. I said, so uh, Canada is going to become a soccer nation. And 
there are so many people who agreed, but obviously still so many people who are protective of the hockey space saying it's always going to be a hockey country. Um, I meant that no disrespect to hockey, but I'm just, I just have this gut feeling that Canada is going to do, is going to get out of that group stage in the World Cup. And then that's going to give opportunity to their big names. You mentioned a few of them to start playing for really major teams and, and for the sport to grow in Canada. And you're going to really start seeing uh, a lot more people invested in the sport. And if, when you think about it, it's probably one of the easiest sports to put your kids into, right? Like Jean, I know that you, your kids are in, in soccer, right? Like all you need is a field, a ball, shin pads, and, and a kit, which usually is provided for you. So at the end of the day, it's a, it's a fun thing to put your kids into. It's an easy thing. And I think that it's going to start becoming an easy thing and a popular thing. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it, it is as, as, as simple and as inexpensive as as possible to, to get started in it. And I liked your point about the MLS. Uh, while it's great to have Alfonso and Jonathan David and you know players playing abroad, which is wonderful because I remember in the day, uh, one of our former coworkers, Craig Forrest, it was such a, a huge deal that he played overseas. Uh, Paul Pesha-Salito, if you go kind of even farther back, Paul Stalteri, who played at Bayern. I mean, it was like, oh my gosh, you got a Canadian playing over there. And now we're starting to go, Oh, wow, there's Canadians playing over there. And I, I remember Joey Votto, just to segue to baseball, and he said one of the big things for him was for people not to say he was a great Canadian baseball player, for them to say he's just a great baseball player. And I think that's where we're getting with soccer. It's not, oh, he's a great Canadian soccer player. He's just a great soccer player. And the MLS is a huge part, of course, of the growth. And then the local league, uh, the CPL across Canada, just giving kids mm -hmm. uh, a chance, a belief that, I can play and once I start playing who knows where I can go and how far I can go and and just having those dreams for kids that it is a possibility when at one time I'm not sure you you could dream it but I don't know if you could live it and now I think you can do both uh, and I think that Alfonso Davies is just such an incredible example oh. of that obviously starting out here in Edmonton going to the Vancouver Whitecaps signs this unbelievable unheard of deal to go to Bayern Munich and when you speak about not only saying that he's the best Canadian soccer player but I consider him to be the best player in his position in the world right now and and if people don't agree with that he's at least in the conversation for top three players in his position in the world right now if you if anyone watched Bayern Munich play Barcelona the other day he was one of the best players on the field not even just for Bayern Munich like he was one of the best players on the field so I think and they're not taking on they're not taking on a little club they're taking on one of the big guys in in La Liga right so I, I just I think I sit back and I get so excited about this World Cup every time I think about it because we have the big names like Davies. I also think that there are a lot of hidden gem gems. Buchanan, Larea, yeah. Kyle Laren. These are guys, you know, a couple of them play for Club Bruges who are playing Champions League soccer right now. And I just think that uh, if they can get out of that group stage, they're just going to put such a big spotlight on Canada. And we've seen crazy things happen in these tournaments before. There was one Euro Cup when Iceland went on that run. You remember that? Right. Or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. So it's no, just. It... I agree with you, and, and you're right about uh, you're right about Alfonso. I mean, uh, I know he plays on one of the top, you know, five clubs in the world. But you know, to to think of what he's done, where he's come from, the background of moving to Edmonton at you know five years of age from a, a refugee camp and yeah. uh, getting taken in uh, by the community and and playing local soccer, Whitecaps, Bayern, uh, Canada. I mean, he is, and I agree with you, at worst, he's in the top three. Yep. 
And that, I mean, there, there are some unbelievable uh, fullbacks. And I think Alfonso, you know, watching him the other day against his old buddy Lewandowski in, in Barcelona was, was really a, a real treat. And I know that we find, and I'm married to a German. And uh, so <laughs> we, we certainly have, the Bundesliga has, has sort of grown in our household partially because of her background. And then it's hard not to want, you know, to watch Alfonso. We watch City A, uh, you know, Premier League, uh, try and sneak in some Champions League as well. And it's just wonderful that I think having it on TV, and I know I work in TV, uh, has really given people a chance uh, to watch the matches. I remember as a kid, uh, I, I would put on my Milan shirt and we'd go to a, a, a local restaurant. Yes, I knew that. Oh, I wouldn't, I got I wouldn't have said anyone else. Oh. I wouldn't have said anyone else uh, for you. Um, <laughs> and we would go on a Sunday morning at 6 a.m. And hopefully the satellite dish was pointed the right way and the weather was good. And that's how we would go watch City Ab. You know, and I'm, I am talking 40 years ago, but, you know, it seems like about 400 years ago, considering now, you know, you flip through your television and it's one match after another. And so I, I think for kids, uh, while they play it, having access to watching it uh, just helps them. And I, it's a wonderful time for soccer. It, it really is a wonderful time between men and women, uh, between the individual players that are, you know, making headlines across the world. And then as a group, what they're able to do on the national front, throw in the World Cup. Uh, coming to Canada. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, perfect timing, even though they are going to this World Cup in 2022. I just think who knows what 2026, what will have when Alfonso's 24 or 25 and really in his prime, along with all these gems that you spoke of that we may not know now, but within two, three, four years, yeah. we'll know them quite well. So uh, it, it's just on the way up for Canada and soccer for, for both genders. And it's a wonderful time. I, I mean, for me, it's, it's kind of the one thing I have not uh, been able to do. I've, I've been lucky enough to cover uh, sports and championships in, in, in many different ways, different countries, but the World Cup is the World Cup and having that kind of opportunity, whether it's as a fan or as a broadcaster would be unbelievable. Well, any broadcast company, Gene, would be lucky to have you on the desk talking about it. And anytime you want to come on Kickback during the World Cup, we'd love to have you. So oh, I'm just fantastic. putting that out there book right me, now. Book me in. Book me Perfect. in. Perfect. Now, I want to get back to your story. So you played club soccer. And then what happened? You Did you try out for the Alberta provincial team? Yeah, you know what? Uh, for me... You know, growing up in Edmonton, uh, you know, my, my family uh, heritage we, from Italy, we started rolling in back in kind of the mid to late 50s is when uh, one person came over, then another person mm -hmm. came over and you'd sponsor them. And so it's, it's kind of a, a, an old story, but now there are other uh, nations that have people coming over and having people sponsored and bringing yep. them over, which makes Canada so, you know, diverse. And I tried out for the under 16 uh, provincial team back then uh, it was a commonwealth stadium which is a well-known stadium and we, we we trained in a gym it wasn't until i was about 19 or 20 that edmonton first saw their sort of indoor facilities and it was i remember the first one was just in a suburb of edmonton and it was really just a, it was like a field with just a, like a tarp over it uh, very humble beginnings considering where edmonton and so many uh, cities are now when it comes to their indoor soccer facilities I tried out and I didn't make it. I got cut and I was 15 and I just kind of thought, well, you know, I think the dream of being a pro soccer player, I always thought that I would, I would wear the Italy jersey, not by buying it, 
but by earning it. And it's right. just something that I that I wanted to achieve. That happened and you start to think, okay, well, what else can I do? And I thought, you know, if I can't be a, a pro soccer player or a pro athlete, well, what about covering pro athlete? Oh. And so, uh, you know, away it kind of went, you know, I always watched a lot of sports and I thought it'd be great to cover it. And, you know, here we are from 15, 40 years later, uh, I've been, you know, lucky enough to be able to, uh, to be able to do it. So sometimes, uh, listen, I was, I was heartbroken and thought this is the end of one dream, but uh, you never know what other dream will arrive when one door kind of closes, uh, another one opens. And so at the time it was really, because I really thought I could do it. And uh, I don't think anyone had the heart around me to tell me I couldn't. Uh, that's one thing I would say to young kids. Uh, don't, you know, don't say you can't do something because there's definitely people all around you that might be thinking that, oh, you can't do this or she can't do that. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you're not one of those people because there's enough of those around. You always keep positive and straightforward and take the path that you want to take. And then sometimes, uh, you know, you end up taking a different path. As I say, you don't change the goal, you change the plan. And that's kind of what happened for me. Oh, you know what? I'm getting emotional listening to you talk because I feel like you and I have similar journeys in that sense where, and the same mentality, because when I found out I couldn't play soccer anymore after my third knee surgery, I said to myself, I love this. This sport became my identity, which wasn't healthy, by the way. It's good to <laughs> love something, but it's not good for it to solely become your identity. Right. But I was so obsessed with it that I said, okay, if I can't play anymore, how do I stay in it? And I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to cover it. I'm going to, I'm going to be a broadcaster. I'm going to be a reporter. And it was so interesting because at that time in my life, I'm, I'm such a introvert behind the scenes and I'm very shy and everyone around me is like, there's no way you would go on TV. There's no way you do interviews. You don't even like to, you don't even like to get interviewed. Right. And I'm like, it, it, it was such a cool transition in my life, Jean, because it pushed me out of my shell. It really kind of forced me out of that box that I knew for 21 years of my life. And forced me to go in a different direction. And it, of course, that injury was heartbreaking and losing soccer uh, in that sense was extremely heartbreaking for me for about a couple of years. But I said now that detours are obstacles in the right direction mm -hmm. because maybe I wasn't supposed to play soccer, but now it, it propelled me into a very cool career that I had at Sportsnet and now creating content here with Kicked Back and, and you know, really kind of dominating that digital space, which is so important. So it's just very interesting what life has in store for you. Uh, and I say the same thing to kids, you know, don't get down on yourself. And if something happens out of your control, which that's life, you can't get down on yourself. You, you, you got to just be like, okay, what else is there that I can do? You know, uh, be open to an idea that you don't necessarily think is right for you uh, and challenge yourself because cool things come from it. And I, I just, I, I, I admire that about you, Jean, because I know that that's not easy in the moment. I can imagine being, you know, not chosen to be on a squad and it was your dream and you love the sport so much, but you found like, look at the career that you've had. Well, yeah, you know, I, it's funny as I get older, I'm really into um, sort of mantras and themes and, and mottos and, mm -hmm. and sort of catchphrases, which I, when I was younger, I, I'm not sure if I thought they were hokey, but I just, I didn't sort of grasp onto them. And now I coach my daughter's team and uh, I know some of them kind of roll their eyes, but you know, they say the harder the climb, the better the view. And yeah. so 
if if that's the case, then you do have to go through some hardships, some things that, that break your heart, some things you don't expect, things you don't plan for. And so then you have to readjust and figure out, well, okay, that hasn't happened for me. Plan A isn't happening. Maybe plan B is not even happening. Now I need to go to plan C. And, and there is a way that sort of life works itself out uh, yes. when you have uh, the passion, the talent, the skill that, that you had on the pitch. And then you prove to yourself and your close family and people who watch you that, you know, I can do something else. And, and I know you were, listen, um, injuries have, have ruined many great careers. And I know that, that that unfortunately occurred to you because who knows where you'd be and what you'd be doing and what events you'd be preparing for with the women's national team. But this has worked out pretty darn good. You know, you're happy. It wasn't yes. what you expected. Maybe it wasn't what you saw 10, 12, 14 years ago, but it works out great. You know, the game is the game is such a, you know, sometimes it's hard to tell people with sports how it brings people together. People, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what your T4 slip is. It doesn't matter what side of the city, what side of the world you live in. It, it, it doesn't matter when you're beside someone at a, at a soccer match or pick another sporting event and you have this common bond of, of in this case, soccer. It's just so wonderful. It just brings people together. And I, and I love to, to see that uh, when it, it, it's something that maybe you don't expect that you connect with people that you might not have anything else in common yeah. with, but you have this in common with them and it brings you together. Absolutely. The one piece of advice I'd give to everyone listening is if you're around Messi fans, don't say that you think Cristiano Ronaldo is better. And if you think around, if you're around Ronaldo <laughs> fans, don't tell them you think Messi is better because that's the biggest point of controversy in this sport. And, and that's probably the only time where I feel like fans would, you know, really get at each other. But Gene, I 100% agree with you. And sometimes when I look back on my life, I, I actually... I think about the butterfly effect. I don't know if you do this. I, I'm a big, ref, I, I reflect so much. And I actually think that if it wasn't for my knee injury, of course, I wouldn't have been on television. I wouldn't have met Mike, who you know is my husband. And yeah. I wouldn't be here in Alberta, which I actually really believe I'm supposed to be here because it's brought me so much peace after a difficult time in my life. And uh, I just, beyond when I was younger, everything revolved around soccer. But now when I'm a mature woman who's turning 31 in a couple of months, I, I have family you know for the first time i have family and i have a career that i've built and i've had i have a career with balance which i didn't think was possible so it's very interesting when i look back on that knee injury at that moment in time it was the worst thing that ever happened to me and i was like how could this happen to me i've worked day in and day out to achieve this goal and the olympics could be right around the corner for me but now i say you know what like think i'm thankful for the years that i played and i'm actually thankful that that happened because I'm very, very happy in this moment in time and not saying that I wouldn't have been if it didn't happen, but I wouldn't have met Mike. And at the end of the day, not to be yeah. the sappy love story, that is love and family is the most important thing. Yeah, I agree. And I, I didn't, I, you know, I also had knee injuries. Uh, I think any, almost every soccer player yeah. has them in some way, shape or form. Mine, uh, I wasn't playing at nearly as high a level as you were, but it, it ended up propelling me again into a, a different area of soccer. It ended up making me a referee. I, I was playing, uh, I was playing uh, soccer. I was working in Lethbridge, working in Alberta, and I was working my kind of way up the sports broadcasting ladder. And I, I was playing back then. And I, I'll never forget, uh, you know, I moved there and called some guy who said, well, we got a team, come, come try out. And I'm like, I never really 
kind of tried tried out with strangers. I'd always, you know, you grow up with a certain group, you right. play with them. And even if it, it fractures a bit, you always have some people that you know on the team. So I showed up and and I guess it went well. And they're like, okay, you're on the team. But I, I ended up injuring one knee, uh, one indoor, and then injuring oh, yeah. my other knee outdoor. Not, not like really serious, but I had to get them scoped. And I was kind of, I was trying to st start my career and I was kind of like, you know, I don't know if I want to be, injured as I'm, I'm trying to get going in broadcasting. So I thought, well, what would be kind of an option? Uh, you talk about staying in the game some way. And I thought, well, what about refereeing? It's not something I'd ever really considered. I was about 25, which to me, a refereeing was something you did kind of when you couldn't play anymore. And, and maybe in some ways I, I could, but I couldn't when it came to injuries. And uh, so I started refereeing and it was a wonderful path. It gave Amazing. me a huge uh, perspective on soccer that, you know, what do we do at referees? We usually yell at them. Uh, we don't often understand or want to understand at that moment what's going on, but it, it just gave me a, a, a different set, same eyes, but different vision uh, of what the game is like when you're wearing, uh, and back in those days, we were always wore black and you, and you got a whistle and you got a yellow and a red card in your pocket. Oh my goodness, you and I have the same type of brain, I swear. When I was injured and I had to redshirt my last season of collegiate soccer, um, obviously the first bit of it was miserable. I'm like, screw this. I'm pissed <laughs> off. I should be playing. Uh, but then as the season went on, I'm like, what a blessing because I get to sit back and watch this game from a different perspective. And when I come back, I now know in moments like this, I actually have time to turn. I have more time to dribble. This is a team where I could do this against. And I started going home and making notes on, on everything I could do to be a better player wow. because I actually had a season to sit back and, a and gained a different perspective. That's what I always tell some um, soccer players or even athletes who are injured. I always say, take that as an opportunity to gain a different perspective on the game that you wouldn't necessarily have if you were playing every single game, 90 plus minutes. Yeah. So you and I are so similar because it does give you an opportunity to see the game um, in a way that when you are on the field running like a crazy person and trying to make <laughs> magic happen, yeah. you don't necessarily get that when you, when there is that, that pressure isn't necessarily on you. You know, I, I mean, I, I know that uh, even with uh, my daughter's team that I coach, you know, there's some players that want to play 90 minutes all the time and they can, and, yeah. and they can, but sometimes I like to pull them off for five minutes just to, just to just kind of take a breather, have a sip of water and just kind of watch the game from this perspective. And they would often see what what, what you said about uh, the opposition, about having more time, having more space, having more of lots of things. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're out there, it feels like you don't have any of those. And I, I loved refereeing. I really did. It was, uh, it was a wonderful way to stay uh, in the game. And, you know, you could talk to players you could uh you know joke with them you you had to do uh your job but I did it for about 15 years and it was it was wonderful like it was something that I did sort of not reluctantly but it wasn't really what I wanted to do back to going to different plans but I tell you what for those 15 years that I that I refereed soccer first of all my knees were were much better and it helped you stay in shape and it was just it was great like uh, I didn't quite achieve what I wanted to in 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 refereeing it's it's one of my only sort of uh, soccer regrets is that I didn't quite get to where I wanted to go but I got pretty close and I was happy that I at least tried to get there and was able to enjoy soccer in in a different way and and even though I tend to still kind of bark at the referees a bit I usually now I bring it down the Italian uh, blood doesn't boil but I think when you're a referee usually that that makes me stay quiet. Gene what was your dream scenario with being a referee? You know what? Uh, it was to be a national referee. I started at 25, and I, and my my number might be a bit off, but they, there was a cutoff still maybe where at a certain age you could no longer be a, a FIFA referee. And I thought the way I was progressing that getting to FIFA was going to be difficult, but I really wanted to get to national. So I, I got to the national uh, nominated program, and wow. uh, I would say my first son or second kid was born. I would say it was about 20, uh, no, about 15, 16 years ago. So it must have been my, my last one was born. And uh, I went to a camp out in Kitchener, and uh, we did, you know, a lot of uh, sort of building, team building. And, and then at the end, we had to write a test. And the test, you had to get 85%. And I got 80%. And oh. I was about, I was about 36 at the time. So just under 20 years ago. And uh, it was really demoralizing because uh, refereeing back then, you kind of went uh, level three, level two, 
level one, nominated national, national, and then up to FIFA. FIFA would have been like the cherry on top. For me, getting to national would have been like, okay, I got where I wanted to go. So I failed the test. I'm mid-30s. Uh, we have three young kids. Uh, yeah. At that point, I'd started covering the Oilers and traveling. And so I had to wait two years to, to write the test again. Um, so that was something I was thinking, you know, do I want to wait two more years? And at that point, my, my broadcasting career was starting to grow with Sportsnet. I was doing a lot of traveling. Uh, as a result, I missed uh, some uh, assignments. I just couldn't, I couldn't go. They'd say, we need you to be at you know, this event, uh, this match, this mm -hmm. day, and I'd be like, sorry, I can't go. I, I, yeah. I'm going to be out of town. So after about, uh, I think I missed about three assignments in a, about a six month period. And I got the uh, see you later letter, you know, it was kind of like, hey, listen, uh, I can't remember the wording, but, and it was really disappointing. Um, and it's the only really like, I kind of been able to do everything I want. I never made every team I wanted to make, but it's somehow, some way I found enough sort of success to go, oh, I'm, I'm happy with that. That's the one spot I just, I was kind of close and uh, I just didn't, uh, I just couldn't make it. It was time-wise, uh, you know, that test was a big difference maker. That 5% was huge. And I remember, uh, I remember uh, you could appeal, uh, right? Because so many of the, uh, yeah. the, the questions were, we're, we're situational. And as we, we say in, in, in the referee world, there's the laws of the game and there's the spirit of the game. And so there were some instances where you could, you could kind of be wrong, but right. So I, yeah, subjective. And I think, they, I think they added like 2%. I was so close. I thought, guys, gals, can you not like, I always thought, and this is very selfish. I thought I've been in this program refereeing for at that point, 10 plus years. You're going to say no because of three or four or five percent. No, like, I agree with you, though. You know, I, thought, I agree with you. But but, you know, selfishly speaking, that's the way I saw it. So anyways, then I, I refereed a bit more. And uh, and then I kind of went, you know, I started my cousin was playing. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to start playing again. So I, I played uh, from about 35, 36 to late, uh, late 40s, 50 or so. And, uh, and, and so I, I still might come back and play, but, but anyways, yeah, that's a long answer to, to not quite achieving something, but, you know, um, you know, as I, as I continue with my, my sort of mottos, uh, the road to success is paved with mistakes well handled. And so yeah. that was, you know, that was kind of a, a mistake on my part. I wasn't able to pass the test and I wasn't able to get to where I wanted to be, but you learn from your failures, uh, sometimes better than your successes. So I, I'm, despite my long answer, I'm okay with it. I wish it'd been a bit different, but that's all right. That's part of life. Oh, Gene, I, I could have a conversation like this with you all day. I just, for, we talk about perspective, me listening and hearing that story for the first time. I actually think you achieved a lot. 15 years as a referee. Oh my goodness. That's a long freaking time. And to even get to the test and then to be snubbed 3% at the end of the day, which I do think that you should have had some type of like, hey, this is like my clout card that I've been here for so long. Help a yeah. brother out. I do think that that should have been issued to you. But, you know, my, one of my favorite sayings and whether people agree with this or not, I do think things happen for a reason. So maybe you were meant to be sitting in a car with Connor McDavid, the best hockey player in the entire yes. world, talking yeah. to him, right? So you don't know, maybe if your referee career ended up happening, it, you thought that it would go really far, but something happened in between and yeah. this door opened and you know, you're, you're hanging out with some of the top hockey players in the world, right? 
Well, I, I agree. You know, I, I, I think when, when things don't go the way you want, of course, there's that, that sort of uh, personal mourning period of, of course. whether it's a week, a month, you know, however long it, it, it uh, takes. I'll never forget, um, I got the letter and uh, my, my uncle came over to, uh, to visit as we had our third child. And I, I got the letter and I had op- my, my, my wife said, don't open it. Like just because just they're coming over and, you know, just in case, you know, even though I think you passed. And I was like, no, no, I got to open it. And I remember opening the letter and then sitting there through about a two hour visit going, it's my own home, but this is the last place, you know, I, I want to be. But, you know, I think one of the things to follow up on your point, while, while I didn't get that 3% and I didn't achieve exactly what I wanted, one of the, the great uh, feelings I ever received through refereeing is, and I still get it to this day, a little less and less, but you know, a player will come up to me that I used to referee and say, you know, oh, you used to referee me. You know, I, I liked you as a referee or I thought you did a good job or you were pretty Aww. good at whatever it might be. You know, it's, they're not saying I'm the best ever, but just a, a tiny compliment as I'm sure, you know, people who would run into you uh, from your soccer past would say, oh yeah, I remember. yeah, you're a great player. Like it, you know, did you get where you wanted to fully? No, because of injury, but still makes you go, oh yeah, right. I, I was pretty good at that. I, I, I could do that. I was a darn good soccer player. So it, it, little victories sometimes within sort of bigger defeats. Oh, Gene, you know what? It, it makes me smile because you love the sport so much. And I know exactly what you're talking about. I would talk to old coaches and they would remind me about certain things that I did yes. on the field or stats yeah. or awards that I achieved. And um, I think because maybe I tried to close that door so quickly in my life when soccer was so quickly taken away from me, I, I almost kind of like didn't want to think about it anymore. But now that I'm older and I've accepted the whole situation, I think back and I'm like, you know what, we, we accomplished a lot and yeah. not only accomplished a lot, but I don't think people realize, and this could go for any athlete in, in any sport, any career type, really how much work is put, is done in behind the scenes. There's just so much that goes into it um, to, to try and be successful. Like when I look at Alfonso Davies, I'm like the grind he's had to have for his whole life is yeah. and and how much he's had to commit to his craft and eating and working out and dry land training and injuries and and just hydration you name it he's on top of it right so i completely understand and i'm sorry that it ended for you but again i do think you are supposed to be right where you are right now and and that's the beauty of life yeah i'm i'm with you and you know i i i look at alfonso and he's just a shining light um for, for this country, uh, doesn't matter how old you are, uh, doesn't matter if you've kicked one soccer ball or a thousand, um, whether you're a girl or a boy, uh, I just think that he's such an inspiration and, and he's not the only one, but exactly. I think maybe because you know we're located in Edmonton, he is our biggest one because of what he's done. And you know I remember uh, my son was just a little bit older than him and his um, his uh, uh, then coach, who's now his sort of family advisor agent, uh, we used to play against them all the time. And Nick and I uh, are our buddies now, and we we keep in touch. And uh, uh, it's you know it's a it's a wonderful community. Uh, sometimes you lose track of people that you haven't seen for a while, and then when you get right back, I know you know right off the top, I was talking about you know how they say win together once, walk together forever. And I when I see my buddies. Who we won the city championship with at like back then was like I don't even know how low the level was every time I see them it's the first thing that comes to mind and I love it when my kids are with me they're now young adults and they say dad how do you know that guy and I say well 
that guy, when we were 12 or 13, we won a city championship together. And I said, here we are 40 plus years later. And it's kind of the first thing. And it's a great memory uh, to have. You don't think about that then. But as you get older, you think about all the people that you've met, friends that you've made, and just the experiences that you've had, thanks to the beautiful game. Of course. Gene, I'm going to ask you, because uh, you've been in the sport for so long, what's one part about soccer that you think is a very hard component of the game that people don't realize? Like, let's say hockey fans, casual casual soccer fans, they, they're just about to tune into the World Cup and watch Canada play, and they're going to say, oh, this is easy. What would you say is actually, no, it's not? You know what, I think the one thing that both as a referee and as a player is reading the game. And uh, I, I watch, um, you know, played, ref, watch, coach. And to me, the, the, the special players are, if not one step, maybe two or three steps ahead. And I think that's one of those things, you know, we talk about Connor McDavid is being able to, yes. especially in soccer, when you got such a huge pitch, uh, for you and your mind to be ahead, uh, I think it's such a huge advantage because so much so much time potentially and so much space and that's one of the things I think when I was playing I was younger um, I, I didn't need that quality as much but as I grew and continued to play club I found that that development in my game wasn't wasn't quite if I used to feel like I was three steps ahead I went to two and I went to one and then eventually I was kind of even and so you weren't able to sort of take that as an advantage as your own game but that's one thing I, I, I love when when I see players who are are thinking ahead and make a play that you weren't even looking at or thinking of I'm like oh my god beautiful right. like to me that is that's one of the things that just makes me feel like that's why that that person that player is such a special talent and a, a superstar or a star or emerging star and that's that's one of the things both referee and, and playing that one thing for refereeing they always said you know, try and be ahead of the game, you know, instead of sort of chasing the ball, don't go where it is, go, go where it's going to be. And, and I think in soccer, you know, you know, better than me, that's what you're always trying to, to achieve that it, it normally leads to success. And so that's one of the great things I, I know with my women's team, you try and do that as, as well. And you can see, it doesn't matter what level you play. It doesn't matter if you're at you know, a major league level in Alberta playing the, the best, highest amateur, or whether you're at a Div 4 level, there are players at every level mm -hmm. who can who can do that to a certain extent. So that's one of the things that I could do and then didn't do as well. And so I've always been a big fan of it when you're playing soccer. Oh, I always say soccer for people who start watching and they're like, wow, I really enjoy watching this. I'm like it's a big game of chess. And when you yes. can find the one player who can beat everyone with one ball, yeah. And usually for me, that's Kevin De Bruyne, that's Modric. Yeah. Kakao, when I was growing up, was my yeah. favorite player. I know player he was because, your favorite, yeah. Oh, my goodness, how he could just destroy a back line and even a midfield <laughs> line with one ball. And no one would have any idea that he's about to do it. I was blown away because it's just one move that takes out everyone. And I yeah. agree with you. And I think that's because we were midfielders that we appreciate that so much, where sometimes I feel like the pass is better than the goal. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. We, and De Bruyne, I mean, that, that that's uh, that's... I think right now, anyone who watches him play club and play for Belgium at the national level, um, it's, he's sort of the, the guy, and you know, Messi and Ronaldo, don't get me wrong, uh, unbelievable talents, but for, for that sort of specific talent, I would say it's him. And I, I just, you know, I think soccer is just such a, I know you're of a Polish background and I know, I remember, you know, the World Cup back in, in 78 or 82, Boniak was, Boniak, uh, yep. you know, yeah, it was a huge player and yep. 
you know, we, we couldn't, unfortunately back then you couldn't see someone and then Google them to find yes. out more, you know, yes. you just, a lot of your learning was by watching. And I remember my dad, God bless him. I would sit on the couch, you know, watching TV and here's this, you know, old Italian immigrant who, who worked with his hands his whole life. I remember my dad, he would always show me his hands and say, I don't want your hands to look like this. He said, I, I want you to have a shower before work. I don't want you to have a shower after work. You wanted me to have the kind of job where, yes. you know, you'd wear a tie or a suit or, yes. you know, some kind of a, a clean job for lack of a better term. There's lots of people who are successful that shower after work, but of it was course. just something that sort of, sort of caught my attention. He didn't want me to have to do all the hardships and all the work that, that he put in. And I just remember when I would lay on the couch, he goes, mom, what are you doing? That's all you do. You're watching the TV. <laughs> and I said, oh, Dad, one day, one day I want to be on TV, you know, fine. Aww. And so anyways, it, it was a real bond uh, for me and my, uh, my, my entire family, but especially with my parents, you know, it was really a, a connection of with my wife being German, anytime Italy and Germany would play, she'd go off, <laughs> she'd either stay home and watch it. But I would always go to my parents and they'd fry up some sausage and peppers and we'd have a nice plate of pasta and, and we sit there and watch the game together. So it ends up being uh, more than just a sport, right? It's a, it's a connection. It's something that you build memories of. And, and now I try and do that with, uh, you know, with my kids so that as they get older, they, oh, I remember when we used to do this with dad and, and mom. So that's, uh, that's why sports to me, I mean, I love it. It's how I make my living. Uh, but it, even if I wasn't on TV making my living talking sports, I'd be doing virtually everything I do uh, away from the TV still in the same fashion. I love how you bring up family because it's so true. Whether Two people in the household support different teams, which is yeah. usually my dad. I'm not, my dad's the biggest Liverpool fan, obviously. I'm an AC <laughs> Milan fan. And it just brings everyone together in front of a TV. Usually, yeah. for me growing up on Sunday, Serie A was on every Sunday, yeah. all day. I didn't move from my couch. It was usually <laughs> it was usually my day off of provincial soccer. So it, it, it is so true how it just brings everyone together. Jean, before I let you go, you're wearing an Italian jersey, but Italy did not qualify for the World Cup. Oh, uh, last but not least, hey. <laughs> What are your thoughts? Oh, man, that has been, you know, from what uh, they always say in sports, as you know, right? Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Yeah. We had the high of the Euro and uh, it was wonderful. In fact, I, I, I always uh, if I'm having kind of um, if I need a little push, a little inspiration, uh, one of the qualifying matches or during the Euro, I, I was able to tape uh, the national anthem of Italy. And that's one thing I love uh, about uh, soccer. Uh, it's how they play the national anthems before they go on the pitch mm -hmm. to play for real. And I think there's no greater inspiration. And I should say, I, I am born in Canada, uh, but raised Italian. And so sometimes my kids are like, dad, you're a Canadian. I go, I, I know, I know that's what the birth certificate says, but thinking back to I coming understand. over here, um, I mean, that's, that's what, that's what we, that's how we talked. That's how we ate. That's how we grew up. So I'm, I'm, I'm part of both, but I have the national anthem recorded on my phone. And, and when I'm a little bit, not down, but I need a little push, a little pump, I just play that back and I'll play it a couple times, three times, however many times, you know, I need it. Uh, so that was the high. And then unfortunately that, you know, they, they had things in qualifying, everything seemed to be under control and then it doesn't. And then Macedonia rolls in and they score. Uh, Madonna, Madonna, but oh I agree, but unfortunately, <laughs> You know, to go 60 years and not miss the World Cup and then to miss two in a row is just, just, I mean, the odds would have been a million to one. So uh, thankfully, uh, it's funny, uh, sometimes people will say, oh, are you excited about the World Cup? 
And I'm like, yeah, Italy's not in the, no, no, Canada. I'm like, oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I am excited for Canada. So it's a, it's a great opportunity to, to connect with one team specifically, yeah. one country. Uh, I, I'd be watching it no matter what, but certainly to have Italy miss, uh, you know, back-to-back World Cups is unthinkable. Uh, I'm hoping that that's it and that I'll see them in person in 2026 when the World Cup oh, comes yes. through, uh, you know, North America and, and Mexico, Canada, the U.S., and I'll get a chance to see the Azzurri in person. I hope so, Gina. You know, it's so I can so relate to that, too, because I'm the only one in my family born in Canada. My brother, my mom, my dad, everyone was in Poland. But when they came over to Canada and then I was born eight years later, we grew up in a very traditional Polish household. Polish was my first language. We spoke yeah. Polish at home, Polish food, uh, just yeah. traditions, cultures, values. Everything was Polish. So I identify as Polish Canadian. And now everyone's asking me, uh, who are you going to cheer for in the World Cup? And I'm one of those people where you can only cheer for one country. I don't like right. when people have like four different teams yeah right right so I said first and foremost I said this is such a unique situation because for the first time in my life I actually get to cheer for Canada I will first and foremost cheer for Canada but I will root Poland on now if they play against each other I would want Canada to take the W but uh of course I can't I can't all of a sudden say you know I hope Lewandowski and Poland lose to Argentina which is going to be the craziest game uh, but I can totally understand that feeling of, you know, I still identifying with your Italian culture. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember as a kid going over and uh, we would, when we were young, we'd go like the whole summer. And I remember coming back, uh, I think I was eight, seven or eight. And uh, my mom gets a call and they bring her in and, and, and they said to her, they go, we got a problem here. And she's like, in her own broken English, you know, what's the problem? And they said, all he does is talk Italian. He doesn't speak English at school, you know? So we kind of had to wean me off of that, but I, I love it, you know, and, and uh, the pandemic's kind of delayed our, our trips, but the plan is, is actually 2024, uh, the Euros in Germany. And uh, with my wife's German background, she's got lots of family there. That's Perfect. that's the plan. I, I've, I've watched lots of soccer and I've seen some in person, but I, I haven't kind of reached that highest level or levels of the Euro and the World Cup in person. So that's a, a nice step for us to sort of dream of in about, well, a little less than two years. I'm so excited for you. Germany always has such a solid team. So I'm happy for your wife. Some of the best players on Germany were Polish. Uh, I can't believe Poland denied Klose, Podolski, but that's neither here yeah. or there. Yeah, that's why I, I, always right root, about that. I always root for Germany because they have, first of all, they're just an unbelievable footballing country. Yeah. Like, honest to God, I even think that this year they're not talked enough about what they could potentially do in Qatar. Um, but I'm excited for your wife because I think that she's going to have a nice time watching the German team play. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be sort of cheering uh, them along to, to support her as she used to say because we, we never watched matches together because she said to me she goes when Italy plays Germany you're not only a sore loser you're a sore winner she goes, well, I cannot <laughs> I cannot be around you because no matter what you're gonna kind of you know be the way you are so I said okay but anyways 25 years of marriage we've been able to get through the soccer yeah. matches and continue and move I forward. love it last question for Eugene I uh, one hockey player in the NHL which one do you think would succeed the most as a professional soccer player Ooh, that is a great question well I have seen some video Matt Zuccarello 
Okay. Uh, who's he's been good. in the league for you know a long time, and and I I think because of his background, European background, he would be fantastic. I used to pull for a guy who who played locally, Fernando Pisani. You know, who had a wonderful yes. run with the Oilers back in 2006. Fernando was a wonderful soccer player, and I think he had he had the potential to to be a pro. You know, I don't know how far that pro. Uh, level would have taken him. I mean, listen, I watched Connor McDavid on skates and I think what would he look like as a, as a fullback or a winger with the ball slid through going in on goal. I mean, I, I, and I, you know, nowadays here's Carolyn, I I promise I'm going to stop talking. One of the beautiful things that I know you enjoy and I enjoy is how soccer has become such a warm up sport for hockey and, uh, and to see them, to see them play uh, always. And, and, you know, you've got, people of all nationalities. And I, I must finish with this. I've seen Leon uh, play in that warm-up, And I think Leon as like a center striker or a, a, a center fullback, I don't think I'd want any part of him, you know, very big, strong, physical, could hold the ball, could protect it. And I think his, his right foot would be a wicked weapon. So I'm going to go with the German considering how great Germany is. Let's go with Dreisaitl who would make a hell of a soccer player. You and I are on the same wavelength. That's exactly who I would pick. And I just, I just see him in that typical number nine role and bulldozing. Like I almost see him as like, um, not like quite like an Erling Holland, but maybe like almost between a Holland and a Benzema because he's got like athleticism and he could just be like a power forward. Uh, but yeah. And there's just something about the, the mean mug that drive cycle has. I'd be ultra intimidating. I, I like it. You know, that's a good way to put it. He definitely has that for sure. I love it. Jean, thank you so much for your time. Uh, your wisdom, your knowledge, your, your kindness is appreciated so much. I can't wait for everyone to listen to the story that you have. And, and please, anytime you want to come back and talk uh, soccer, if your wife wants to come on the show and you guys can talk about Germany, please. I'd love it. Um, I, we, we just, like I told you, the whole Salini family, we, we adore you. So thank you. Well, thank you, and it's great having you. What 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 the East has lost, the West has gained. Oh, with you moving out you. here, uh, we're happy to have you. And listen, I, I wouldn't be a coach if I didn't say you're always welcome on my team. Every every spring <laughs> and fall, I send you a note and say, "Hey, if you want to play." So um, I, I'm doing it officially, and you've always got a spot on my team if you ever want to come back and play. Gene, you know what? I appreciate it so much, but I swear I, I, I played quickly. <laughs> I played so quickly the other day. One, I couldn't move my body for three weeks. And two, when I was on the field, I was, I actually took a moment to say, oh my gosh, Caroline, like you didn't give yourself enough credit back in the day. Cause this is a hell of a sport <laughs> to play. I mean, I couldn't move after 30 seconds. Oh, so geez. I don't know if you want me on your team. Well, well, I, I think I would make room for you, but when you're ready for that comeback, <laughs> let me know. Thank you, Gene. I appreciate it. That's a wrap for another episode of Kickback, and thanks so much for listening. You can catch Caroline and Liam here every single week on Tuesdays and Thursdays to give you the latest rundown on all things football. Please don't forget to subscribe and give us a nice five-star rating. Please and thank you. And for even more Kickback content, follow the 90th Minute on all your favorite social channels. See you next time. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 